The scripture reading for this morning is taken from the letter to the Thessalonian church. We'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the verses 12 to 28. And you'll be able to find that on page 1358 in your pew Bible. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the verses 12 to 28. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always what is good both for yourselves and for us all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Our text for today is verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, today is the day before Thanksgiving Monday. And what an appropriate day it is then to read the passage that's before us. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yet this does bring up the question, can we rejoice always? You can be joyful when you're happy, but can you be joyful when you're sad? Can you find joy in times of sorrow? There are those of you here today who likely already feel discouraged here. Be joyful. I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. I have sorrow in my life because of my circumstances. Does this passage speak to me? 
where the needs to balance the chemicals in our body and where Christian counseling are needed to help us cope, they are simply needed. Perhaps for a season, perhaps for longer, sometimes depression is the result of the physical brokenness of this fallen world. God has put doctors and medication in place to help in these cases, and we should receive it with thankfulness. If that is the kind of help that's needed, don't be ashamed of that. Yet that does not mean that God has nothing to say to you today, that he has nothing to say to all of us today. And there is great comfort in this, as we will see. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Nothing is left out here. No moment is left out, no event is left out, and no feeling is left out. What universal things to say. How can this be? It can be because this is the will of God in Christ for you. And, as we read in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. If it is the will of God, then what God asks, God also supplies. I proclaim to you the word of God. This is the will of God in Christ for you. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. So let's look at the first of these three commands. Rejoice always. The first thing that we should notice here is that this is an imperative An imperative is a command, like for you boys and girls, when your parents say, clean your room, or eat your supper. But where humans can sometimes be unreasonable in what they ask of each other, it's different with God. Again, when God tells us to do something, he also supplies us with the ability to respond. But what does that look like when it comes to joy? Here's where society tends to go wrong. We have the tendency to conflate, to to mush together, you might say, joyful, being joyful, and being happy. Now, there are times when happy is used interchangeably with the word joy. And if you look outside of Scripture, it's Similar in Greek, the Greek word is sometimes used in the same way. But in Scripture, the vast majority of the time, joy is used actually in a different way. You see, if you do a quick study on joy, you'll often find it paired with words like patience or long-suffering. You'll find it joined to experiences that require patience and long-suffering. These are not situations, emotions, or responses of the will that you would usually see going hand in hand with the word happy. You don't choose happy. Happy happens to you. Circumstances around you generally need to be good for you to be happy. When you have the warm fellowship of family around the dinner table, when you get out on a hike and you feel a thrill at the crunch of leaves under your feet, the crisp cleanness of the air, and the friendship of whoever is hiking with you, and the hope of a steaming cup of hot chocolate at home, then you are happy. 
In times like this, you can thank God that he has created the perfect storm to lift you up and make you happy. But you can see what stands out here, can't you? The source of happy is those circumstances. The object of your happiness is found in things and in people. And as circumstances and as things slip away, happiness can also quickly slip away. As circumstances and things change, happiness can quickly slip away. But it's different with joy. Consider your circumstances right now. They might not be particularly good. There might even be things that bring up feelings of frustration. And that brings you back to the question, can you be sad and joyful at the same time? What does scripture say? In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, the Apostle Paul describes the Christian life as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. This is the difference. You see this coming out in the Thessalonian church's circumstances as well. The members of the Thessalonian church themselves already maintained joy in suffering. If you look back to chapter 1, verse 6, you can read, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see affliction and joy tied together tightly there. The Apostle Paul also has maintained joy in the face of suffering. Chapter 3, verse 4 He speaks of the tribulation, which is to say the hardship, the the sorrow that his missionary team would suffer. And yet he continues in verse 9 that he is still able to rejoice. So why is this the case? What does that look like? We find the clue for that at the very end of our passage today. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The love that we receive in Jesus Christ, everything that we receive with Jesus Christ, is where our joy is found. You see, joy is not simply an emotion. It is, as one person described it, choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. I'll read that again. Choosing to respond to external circumstances, things that are happening on the outside to us, with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. And we know this because of Jesus Christ. So it's not just something that happens to you. It's a way of approaching life, a way that is grounded in trust in Jesus Christ, 
and grounded upon God himself. He is its source. And he's its source in more ways than one. Through Christ, the Thessalonian church were reminded time and time again, God is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. You belong. Christ made this possible. It's a bit of a summary of chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Even in hardships, those times that Paul referred to, he was able to say, we are joyful because we belong to Jesus. He has paid for our sins, he has washed us clean, and he gives us assurance of his love today. And the hope of a future that soars even beyond our darkest hour here. Romans 8 verse 18, he expands on this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our affliction in this present time, he reminds us, is light compared to the weight of glory, the eternal weight of glory that lies in store. So in the midst of suffering, we can and should acknowledge our pain. We cry. We should and do recognize our sorrow. But as we read in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Because we remember that despite all that we are experiencing here, and perhaps despite even being wrapped up in the coldness and darkness of depression, even then, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is always there, always present. In Christ Jesus, all this is mine. And Jesus is my constant in this life. Jesus is where my joy is grounded. Happiness is relative. It goes up and down as my circumstances change. Joy is rooted in the character of God. And God is the constant who does not change. But if it isn't happiness, then does it have nothing to do with emotion at all? And we remind ourselves of this gift, even in the midst of tears. When we ground ourselves in Jesus Christ, what he means for us, and that we belong to him, and that he has an eternal weight of glory in store, that can't help but have an impact. When we dwell in what it means to belong to Jesus Christ, rather than fixating on the darkness and the greater and greater pit of grief, we are able to see the truth of it, that though we fall down, God is there to lift us up. It begins with this. Yes, we see our griefs and sorrows. Jesus saw them too. Yet, 
even knowing what they were, even knowing all the pain of this world, he chose to come down to earth. He chose to experience the pain and the grief that we're experiencing. And he chose to do this because he loves us. When we feel this pain and when we feel this sorrow and this darkness, and we see the the greatness of the hurt that comes with it, then we can stand in awe that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and willingly chose this for us. He freely entered this broken world knowing that he would experience all of this for our sakes and more besides. Jesus bore our griefs and our sorrows. He knows them intimately, yet he also gives us reason for hope and a future. He who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. But more than that, we can rest. Now Christ's sacrifice means that God is always there for us that he has given us to Jesus and that he is always standing by. That for the sake of Jesus, he is there and he is favorably inclined towards us in life. And that will impact us. We will be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How does this look practically? Well, look at verses 14 to 15 for a moment. There is so much that can rob us of our joy. There is hardship coming from inside pressures. There is hardship coming from outside pressures. All of these are situations in which we can really struggle. When there, is, when there are those who are unruly, when we see someone who is faint-hearted, when a brother or sister is weak, or when someone responds to us with evil, in all of these situations, when we return to our joy, and who it is grounded in, we are led to the right way to respond. There's a setback on the job site. I won't choose to yell at my employees. In response, I'll choose a response fed by my joy. There's chaos today with too many screaming kids around me, yet my response will be grounded in my joy. There is tension in my marriage, yet my response will be grounded in my joy. There is tension in my work relationships, in my friendships, in my church, yet my response will be grounded in my joy. When you want to have a knee-jerk response, God teaches us here, slow down. Where is your joy in all of this? Is your response fed by your joy? I don't have to be happy about what happened. I don't have to be happy about my circumstances. Yet God has promised me that because of Jesus, I can be joyful even in my circumstances. Such an anchor for our souls frees us not just to respond to challenges in a Christ-like way, but also to find happiness in the little places 
where God blesses us as well. Here and there in that comforting word from scripture that helps us face another day. Then in that face that smiles at us and lifts us up. And then in the ray of sunshine that breaks through the clouds that he gives. All these are little gifts from him along the way because he loves us for the sake of Christ. And above all, through the Holy Spirit, whom Christ obtained for us and who dwells in our heart to comfort us, and he will grow us in joy, the fruit of his presence in our lives. Through creation, and most importantly, through his word and spirit, we're given the constant reminders of God's sustaining power to get us through another day, to strengthen us, to lift us up in the moment, and to focus our hearts and our eyes on eternity. This is a power that is working for our benefit in the present time because of Christ Jesus. So to recap, God both calls us and empowers us to choose joy. It's not just an imperative. It's a great gift from God himself to be able to walk through life choosing joy despite our circumstances. He's not saying measure up or get out. He's saying this is what I have bought for you. This is the gift that I give for you. And I I'm giving you the ability to take hold of it with both hands. Take hold of it with both hands. This is the gift he extends to us with those words, rejoice always. This brings us to our second point. The second command that we find in our passage today is pray without ceasing. Where the first command, rejoice always, points to an underlying attitude of joy that that fills every part of our life. That attitude of joy will only be able to continue if it is fueled by prayer. Pray without ceasing. With those words, we're taught the second character quality that ought to shape us. Not just the joy that we find rooted in Christ, but dependence. The life of a Christian from start to finish is a life that is and must be marked by dependence. We already depend on God as our creator. He gives us our each and every breath from the cradle to the grave. As we read in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. We are completely dependent on God for our salvation. There is nothing that we can bring to the table. We need God to supply even the righteousness that can stand before him. We are already dependent on him in all these ways. With joy, that joy that's rooted in Jesus Christ, we are reminded that God has already supplied all of that for us in Jesus. We are reminded that because of Jesus, he is constantly there having given us into Christ's care. We're reminded that he is favorably inclined to us, all because of Christ Jesus. Now with that mindset, 
of dependence, two things come to the foreground that we look at in our passage. Pray without ceasing. First, it is prayer. Through prayer, Christ is teaching us that we are to confess our need for dependence upon Almighty God. Prayer is the greatest expression of faith and hope in God that we could offer. It's the response to God's promise that for the sake of Christ, He will always be there for those who believe. And so we shouldn't limit this to formal times. We sometimes get the idea that the only time we can pray is when we're around the kitchen table and there's food that lies before us. But prayer is so much more than that. It's talking with Almighty God Himself, recognizing that in His Almighty power, every good gift comes from Him. And that he is the source of the strength we need to confront and to deal with every part of life. So yes, it is important to have set and formal times. This creates in us a habit of dependence and prayer. But there are so many other shapes that prayer can take as well. You can talk with God when you're on the road alone, simply letting your words pour out to him as you drive. You can pray while you wait at the airport, in line for coffee, as you wait at school to pick up your children or as you're milking a cow or doing chores. You can thank the Lord in a three-word prayer to heaven after you walk away from a good meeting, a close call from an accident, returning from a family reunion or more. Thank you, Lord. When you mess up, when you sin, you can admit it then and there, confessing it to God that you need him for salvation, confessing to God when you're angry with your children, impatient with your spouse, jealous of someone's life on Facebook. Let God know. As we live in this dependent way, confessing our dependence on God, God teaches us and reaffirms in us that not only do we need him for everything, he supplies us with everything. As our catechism says in Lord's Day 45, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Resting on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. Second, since our dependence is unceasing, so our prayer should be unceasing as well. There is never a time when we don't rely on God. As our almighty God, our very next breath comes as a gift from his grace. Every moment that follows comes from him, which would mean that we should pray to him in a way that reflects that fact as well. This is not to say that all of life grinds to a halt because we spend all of our time on our needs in prayer. But the point of the word unceasing that is used here is in good times and in bad. Our fallen condition, though, means that we're prone to forget what Jesus has given us. 
We're prone to forget that God is always there, always upholding us in every moment, and that God is always favorably inclined towards us as we come to him in Jesus Christ. So quickly, we only slip into a time of only calling on God and depending on God when things go wrong. Yet, how can we more easily slip into the habit of finding joy in Jesus in the bad times if we already don't make a habit of leaning on him in the good times? God teaches us here to pray without ceasing, not just because he wants it of us for his own accord, but because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's for your benefit too, to know, to be taught, and to be reminded again that he's always there, every hour, ready to hear. So when we do make it a habit, when prayer soaks all our everyday life, then we begin to live a lot more mindfully. Every moment of every day we are brought to recognize not only that we need God, but also recognizing that God is there for us. And that turns this command into a gift for us as well. And this in turn teaches us to live thankfully, which brings us to our third point. At this point, we're given that final command, in everything, give thanks. As with the first two, this is a universal command, meaning that it is an attitude, a habit that should shape us in good times and in bad. And as with the first two commands, what God commands, God also supplies. When we know that God is favorably inclined towards us because of Christ, our joy from point one. And when we are reminded that uh, in our constant prayers that because of Jesus Christ, he is always there and hears us, our second point, it becomes easy to give thanks. The danger here is that in our fallen condition, we tend to take things for granted. Think in our society for a moment. Our parents, for example, spend a lifetime building up their savings to a point where they have a lifestyle and a house that reflects that lifetime of hard work. Yet as a society, every next generation, every following generation tends to take that for granted. Our generation is actually marked by those who want to begin where their parents ended. Rather than having gratitude for what we receive, anything smaller than what we're used to, what we grew up with, what we took for granted, is too small. A lifestyle cut that comes with moving out of the home is too big, and it feeds discontent. Our generation and our society has, because of this, moved further into debt, further away from generosity and sacrifice, because there is an underlying feeling that we are owed a starting point that begins where our parents left off. And all of the hard work that went into our parents getting that far is taken for granted. Now take that mindset into faith. We tend to take Jesus Christ for granted as well. That salvation that we've received. The fact that Jesus 
knowing all of the pain and sorrow that's in this world, still chose to step into that, willingly taking that on himself for us. The fact that because of that and because of him, God who is always there, in whom we live and move and have our being, is favorably inclined to us, always standing by for his sake. His promises to provide all of our needs for our salvation. The future glory that lies ahead that outweighs all of our present sufferings. All this we tend to take for granted. We are part of a generation that says, I don't deserve sorrow. I deserve happiness. But in these times we are reminded by God to take a step back and remember that nothing is owed to us. The only thing that God owed us was eternal condemnation. Yet, he chooses not to give us what we deserve, but rather, he came to earth. He willingly chose what he knew would be suffering so that he could give us eternal joy in Christ. Being thankful people forces us to step back, to slow down and to remember that and to savor that gift that we have already been given. It moves us away from entitlement, from taking things for granted to really reflect on what we deserve Yet God doesn't give us that. He gives us riches in Christ Jesus. Then to realize what we have leads to more thanksgiving, which overflows into joy. A joy that is unchanging because it is grounded in Jesus Christ. Because it is grounded in his character, in his constancy. And joy that lives dependently, prayerfully, so that it can be a stream that is continually fed by God himself. A joy that is undeserved and freely given. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in Christ, that joy grows all the more. Loved ones, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen.